Hello, and welcome back to the Mom Bod Pod, where it's everything mom, everything bod, and a little bit of everything in between. I am your host, Delana Thill, and today we are going to be talking about training intensity um, and just kind of like what a quality training set looks like, okay? So I would say if you are new to lifting, honestly, if you're not new to lifting, this is still necessary, but the foundation of having a good quality lift is going to be having good form, okay? I think most of us kind of know this if we're even somewhat familiar with lifting, but good form is important. Obviously, first off, because having good form is going to help prevent us from getting injured, all right? I got injured way, way, way more when I started training four years ago, and I was brand new, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't really have a coach. I got injured way more then than I do now as an athlete who has learned how to master their form learned how to bias certain muscle groups, learned how to do things right, I get injured a lot less now. Um, so make sure that we start off with that base of having good form. And if you are, are or are not working with a coach, it is still important to record yourself. I don't care if you are a brand new lifter, brand new to the gym. I don't care if you are a four-year advanced lifter um, like myself or a 10-year advanced lifter. You should be recording your sets, okay? Because if we are pushing ourselves in the gym, even if we had good form last week, it could easily break once we get to that new weight. So it's important to record um, yourself while you're lifting, whether you're the one reviewing it and critiquing yourself or you're sending it to someone else to do that part for you. It's still important to have eyes on what you're doing to make sure that we're doing things correctly. Um, and I say that too because I see a lot of people trying to watch themselves in the mirror and correct their form while they're lifting. And that is normally causing you to actually break form because we want to make sure that our spine is aligned during 95% of our lifts. Okay. The only one I can think of offhand that this kind of um, rule doesn't apply to is like a, a bench press uh, where, you know, whether it's dumbbells or barbell, whatever, but like if we're doing a press on a bench, it's okay to kind of puff your chest and drive your shoulder blades into the pad to offer more stability to your shoulders um, and just to help with that movement. But otherwise, you should be focusing on keeping your spine neutral and aligned during, like I said, pretty much every single movement I can think of. And that does require your chin to be tucked in order for your spine to stay in alignment. You think that um, it's kind of more in line when it's tipped back sometimes just because of how like we walk around and stuff. But actually when we're lifting, we want to make sure that we keep our chin pretty far tucked. So if you're doing like a squat and you're watching yourself in the mirror, you're cranking your neck back or a deadlift, um, or quite a bit of movements, you should rarely ever see yourself lifting while you're lifting. So make sure that we have a phone set up. I know you might think other people are judging you, but I promise you, no one really cares. Um, it's just so common now to film yourself in the gym, even if you're not an influencer, you don't have an Instagram page, you're not working with a coach. First off, no one knows that about you. Um, second, it doesn't matter if you're advanced, if you're a beginner, you're just trying to get better, okay? They don't need to know your backstory. It just doesn't really matter. And I promise you, once you record yourself, like three, four, five times, you're going to get over it. You're, it's not going to be uncomfortable anymore, and it's going to help you grow and make sure that you don't get injured. So it is worth it to record yourself in the gym. Okay, that was kind of a side tangent, um, but I'm going to kind of talk about training quality. Um, think of it as like almost like a pyramid. So having good form is going to be like the bottom of the pyramid obviously super essential. Let's not even move forward into other aspects of training until we have good form established. That's the most important thing.
From good form, it's really easy to move up to the next step, which is mind-muscle connection. So we want to make sure that when we're lifting, that we are using the muscle that we want to target, the muscle that we want to build with that movement, to, in order to move the weight. So let me give you an example here. Four years ago when I started lifting, I was at an LA Fitness and I was training with my husband. And I remember this clear as day, the time that I moved up from like 45 pounds on a lap pull down to 60 to 75 to 90 pounds in the span of like six months. And I was pulling 90 pounds on a lap pull down and I was so stinking proud of myself for that. Now fast forward four years, I am at a different gym and so I know the like resistance on the equipment's a little bit different, but I am still pulling 90 pounds on a lap pull down. And I know that I have progressed immensely in this movement, and that is because I have learned how to bias my lats. Whereas before I was using a lot of momentum, I was kind of just throwing the move, the weight around. I, it was just like a movement to me, um, but I was getting the weight from, you know, over my head down to my chest. But the muscle that I was trying to target wasn't really being targeted at all. So maybe of that, um, you know, of the 90 pounds that I was pulling, maybe only, you know, 30 or 40 of those pounds were being targeted by my lats. Now I have learned how to properly target my lats in that movement. And so closer to like 90 or 95% of that movement is coming from my lats. So even though that number hasn't changed, because my mind-muscle connection has improved, that muscle is moving more weight. And so this is a form of progressive overload. Progressive overload is going to kind of tie into some things that I'm going into here. Um, so I'll just kind of brief you. If you don't know what progressive overload is, it's the concept that we're constantly adding on to our workouts in order to improve. So in general, if I was still lifting that 90 pounds the same way I was lifting then, I probably wouldn't see any improvement, even if I had been doing the same thing for four years because I had been doing the same thing for four years. You have to put the muscle into a place where you're forcing it to change or it's not going to change. And that does not necessarily mean that you're increasing in weight in every single lift week after week after week. A, we have off weeks where maybe we're more tired or things get changed around. It's just not an optimal day. It's okay to have off days. Um, but then also, I mean, I didn't, I started lifting like with five pound side raises. I'm not here four years later with a hundred pound side raises. That's not possible. I've just learned how to take 15 pound side raises and really target my um, delts with those. Just like kind of another example. There's definitely a learning curve with all of this. So with the form, with the mind-muscle connection, it's okay if we're not there right now as you're listening to this podcast. Everyone has to learn, which requires going through a learning curve, and that's okay. Um, I wish I could kind of go deeper into mind-muscle connection specifically, but each movement is going to have different cues that are going to help you target the muscle group that you're trying to target. Um, and so that's kind of where, you know, you can find things on Instagram from, like, reputable coaches or myself I do put out stuff about like how to target certain muscle groups and certain exercises um, or you can kind of just experiment and learn for yourself what that feels like but making sure that we have good mind muscle connection is going to allow us to bias the muscle that we are trying to bias the one that we are trying to target and then that muscle is going to get the most out of that effort than if we're just moving the weight from point a to point b so I hope that makes sense once we have good form and good mind-muscle connection, then we can talk about training intensity. And how I like to put it is like once you can train with intention, then you can train with intensity. So those first two are going to be your base. That's going to be training with intention. Make sure that when we're training, we are doing it right. Now we can focus more on the intensity side of it. And that is going to be where we are keeping that form 
while pushing ourselves to or very, very close to failure. Studies show that muscle grows most optimally when pushed, like if you're lifting weights in the gym, it is being pushed to, um, to one to three reps shy of failure. Now, most people uh, have a hard time achieving true actual failure because our minds are much more easy to give up than our bodies are normally capable of actually doing. So what I recommend is that in most lifts, you should be getting really dang close to failure um, or at least like having failure with control with using that muscle or like with the muscle biasing, you know. So if we're doing like tricep extensions, for example, we want to quit once we feel like we can't do another tricep extension with our triceps, whereas we could probably throw form and mind muscle connection out the window and bang out a couple reps. Generally, that's not going to be something I recommend. Okay, so training intensity means pushing through even when it's hard. We don't stop once we get to a pain barrier. We need to push through that pain barrier in order to see improvement because we have to give the muscle a reason to grow. Okay, it's not going to grow unless we push it to experience something it hasn't experienced before, i.e. progressive overload. And I will kind of talk about that a little bit more specifically in a second here. But um, once it's experienced something it hasn't experienced before, that's when it's going to grow. So when I see a set from one of my athletes, what I do not want to see is them, well, obviously for other reasons, watching themselves in the mirror, but you should not really be able to be casually going about the lift, okay? If it's a higher rep range, you know, those first, like maybe you're getting like a 20, 25 rep um, set. Those first, you know, you know, 10 reps or so, okay, I'm not really expecting you to be exerting yourself too hard. But on any given set, by the time we get to the halfway point, we should be experiencing like notable amounts of pain, not really wanting to keep going, but pushing ourselves to keep going. The weight might start to get a little bit shaky. It might not be quite so smooth, but we're fighting to keep that weight steady. We're fighting to keep that weight smooth. We're fighting to have that stability. But what I like to see is like the intention is there the whole time, but there's more of like a focused intent in the first half of the set. And the second half of the set is more like that driving intent where it's like, at first it's like, okay, we're establishing the mind muscle connection. We're making sure we have good form. We're having a quality movement. And the second set is we are really pushing that good form and quality movement and doing our absolute best to make sure that that next rep happens. But we should be struggling. We should start to see pain in your face. We should be starting to push the pain barrier roughly halfway through your set. And those are the reps that are really going to count towards your growth. All the reps that are happening before the pain barrier are not really going to help you grow. They are just to establish that good connection with the movement and make sure it's solid. We're not going to see as optimal growth training in like a lower rep range things, I would say six reps and under. But once we get to generally like eight to 12 to 15 maybe reps, that's going to be a more um, optimal range for muscle growth. And generally when I program workouts, most of my clients' lifts are going to be in that range. There are times that I'll um, – do like one or two things a little bit higher or a little bit lower for different reasons. But in general, lifting in an eight to 15 rep range is going to be optimal for muscle growth. So we can kind of see wherever you're at in that rep range, right about halfway is where we should really start to be experiencing the suck. And now we just have to get through the rest of the set while we're experiencing the suck. All right. That's going to be where we really want to see training intensity. Now, when it comes to progressive overload, how are different ways that we can like overload this muscle? How can we make sure that it is experiencing a new and more difficult stimulus every single time we step into the gym? First, we can add more weight to our set. So maybe last week you um, did like dumbbell overhaul, 
well, not overhead, <laughs> dumbbell overhead press for, we'll just say you did 20 pounds, okay? And now this week we can try 22 and a half or something like that. We can take the weight that we were at last week and if, and we had good mind-muscle connection, we had good form, one way that we can do progressive overload is to increase the weight. So we had a good set at 20s last week for a programmed rep range. Now we're going to try, try 22 and a half. I'm just going to stick with the same movement because we're already painting a picture in our heads here with this movement. Um, say you did the 20s for eight reps. Another way to progressive overload is to try to push the 20s for nine reps or maybe 10 reps. And then maybe once we get to 10 reps, that's when we feel more comfortable moving up to the 22 and a half. Because maybe you try the 22 and a half and you're like, okay, nope, that is too heavy. The 20s were working for me. I could get eight. But if I move to 22 and a half, I can only get like three or four. So that's when we know that maybe reps is a better way to go about it because that's going to be less of a jump. It's going to be easier for your muscles to push for that next thing. We can try to increase your rep range before we jump up in weight. So then we could go from, you know, eight reps to shoot for nine reps. Can we try to push for 10 or maybe the next week we push for 10 and then by the time we get to 11 or 12, our muscles are probably ready to go back down to eight at 22 and a half pounds. Another way that we can implement progressive overload, like I said before, is just by improving the mind-muscle connection with that movement. Um, another way to do it is to slow down tempo. And that can oftentimes kind of go hand-in-hand hand with mind-muscle connection because having a slower tempo is going to allow you to focus on that muscle more oftentimes. But it's increasing the time under tension if we are doing a tempo-type lift. So whether it be the eccentric or the concentric, and both have like their their pros to slowing down that part of the movement depending on what the movement is um, and depending on the rest of your programming and this is something that your coach should know about and know how to utilize these properly but slowing down the movement um, as a whole or just part of the movement can help with mind muscle connection and it's going to help just the amount of time that that muscle like the tension is being placed under the muscle so it's almost like increasing reps but it's different because it reps, um, like increasing reps increases the time that that muscle is under tension, but we're doing it more spread out throughout the movement. So there's a time and place for that too. That's just not normally something that I add in as like a step of progressive overload because I would rather see something have higher time under tension from the beginning of the movement. Like if you were to get a new split and then we'll keep that time under tension consistent and then just increase in the weight and the reps. Um, so we want to make sure that we are focusing on progressive overload and that we are improving in our lifts. So like I said, again, I'm going to say it so many times because I want you to think about this the next time you step into a gosh dang gym that you need to give your muscles a reason to grow today. All right. Maybe you are low motivated. Maybe you wake up tomorrow and you're low motivated. I want you to pull out this podcast, go to. Hold on. I'm going to give it five seconds so I can say go to 15 minutes and remind yourself that you are going to go in that gym and give your muscles a reason to grow today. We're not going to sit back and only half ass our workouts. We are going to go full ass into that workout and we are going to I mean, hey, maybe you're literally training glutes and you're going to put your whole ass into it and you're going to get what you want. You're going to force those muscles to grow because you are going to be working hard enough to elicit that growth. But we're not going to work so hard that we're like losing our form and just throwing things around because that's not working hard. That's just working wrong. And it's actually working against us. So making sure that we have that base of the foundation in good form, good mind muscle connection, then we can really focus in that training intensity and pushing ourselves to failure. And again, giving our muscles a reason to grow. So the last thing I want to go over here is making sure that we have a logbook of sorts or some way to track our workouts to make sure that we are implementing progressive overload. 
a lot of my athletes are on an app called Trainerize, and that just helps them to track their workouts. I like it in some regards, and I hate it in other regards. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, there's there's a decent chance that my athletes are no longer using Trainerize, okay? Um, I personally just have a notes app on my phone, and every time I get a new split, I write at the top, like, what the first workout is. Then underneath, I will number weeks like one, two, three, four, five, and I will add on as the split keeps going. But I will write down how many reps I did at what, or like, yeah, how many sets at how many reps with how much weight. Um, and sometimes it'll be like one rep of 12, one rep of 11, one rep of nine, and then I'll write down that I hit failure at all of those sets. Um, or I'll write down that um, the weight dropped because I hit failure at those sets. Or that the set was really good and that next week I should increase weight or I should shoot for more reps. I will comment on my lifts like at first I will log what happens but then I will comment on my list to tell myself what to expect next week based on what happened the previous week is this something that I can focus on progressive overload or am I struggling with some of that base self was form kind of questionable was my muscle connection not there I should probably stay at that same weight and get those foundational pieces done first and then once we get there I can transition into heavier weight so maybe like this week I moved up to 80s on the RDLs after being at 70s and 75s for a while the the form was actually pretty good. So my base was there. My muscle connection, however, was not. So while my muscle connection technically isn't necessary to have like a, a good lift because your muscles are still moving that weight to some regard, I'm still trying to optimize my lifts, especially with something that's getting heavier. I want to make sure that load is not going onto my back. So I'm going to stay at the 80s until I have good mind muscle connection with them. And then I'll jump up on the 85. So I wrote that down. I said, two reps of 15 at, with the 80s. Um, poor mind muscle connections stay here next week. I wrote that down in my logbook. So next week when I start my lift, I go back and see on my phone, just on my notes app. I don't have to carry around a pen and paper if you're not that kind of person. I will go back and be like, okay, this is my game plan. I rem- Oh, yeah, I remember doing that last week. I remember feeling that way. I remember thinking that. Let's stick at the 80s and see how I feel. And maybe I do a set at the 80s, and I'm like, oh, shoot, that was surprisingly easy. Let's just try for the 85s. I will say I don't think that's going to happen to me next week, but maybe that happens, and I can write down, like, I did one set with 80s, I did one set with 85s, and then I did an extra half set with 85s until I got to failure because I wanted to – make sure I really optimized on that movement and that first set was a little bit too easy. Whatever, I can write all of this stuff down and make sure that I'm keeping myself accountable to progressive overload by like actually monitoring it. And this is another reason why coaches, myself included, recommend that you don't split jump, that you're not changing your workouts up frequently because we want to make sure that we are implementing progressive overload. And if we are doing different movements, there's no way to track if we're um, implementing progressive overload if we're changing up the order of our workouts like excessively there's no way to track if we're implementing progressive overload because if you do something that so my rdls are my last thing in my workout if i bump them to the first thing in my workout next week i bet you i could do the 85s but my muscles are already fatigued by the time i get to the rdls so i'm consistently the same amount of fatigued or at least close to it so i know that i'm still getting consistent data if that makes sense but if i'm juggling things all over the place. It doesn't allow for consistent data. We don't know if we're progressive overloading and we're shocking our muscles, which is going to cause more delayed onset muscle soreness um, or DOMS, which is just more inconvenient to you. Um, It can inhibit recovery to a certain extent. Your body is going to get more familiar with recovery to a certain set of stimulus. Um, We're going to be able to really grow more after like the first two weeks of a split. Like once we get into weeks like three, four, five, six, and on and on and on. 
the longer you can stay on a split that is working for you and you are seeing progress in, the better for muscle growth, okay? I am saying this as someone who got my first or who got my most recent split. I'm pretty sure it was like January 4th of 2022. It is February 17th, I think. It's close to that. In 2023. So I have been doing the same workout split for over a year and I do not complain about it because A, I love the workout split. It's working for me. And I guess that was B. It's working for me. Okay. I'm seeing the progress I want to see in my physique. So why would I want to change something when it's working? And the longer I can stay on it, the easier it's going to work for me. Now I am coming to a point where because I'm getting closer to a contest prep or just like getting closer to being leaner, we're going to want to be biasing some certain muscle groups coming up to stage. So I do know that a new split is ahead for me, but I have been really content on the same split for the last year. If it's not broke, we're not going to fix it. And that goes for a lot of things in coaching. If your food, okay, this is obviously a tangent because we're talking about training, but if your macros that are set for you are helping you to achieve your goal, do not think that your coach is being lazy by not changing your macros week after week after week. Honestly, that is a sign of things working. They came up with the plan that got you to that spot and you as an athlete are executing well enough that they don't need to change anything. That should honestly be a little bit of like a pat on the shoulder to you because you are taking the same thing week after week after week and you are executing it properly and it is making a change. So that is a good thing for both you and your coaches telling good things about both of them. I promise you as long as you have a decent coach that you trust, if they are not changing your food for weeks or even months at a time, it does not mean that they're lazy. They're still doing all of the thinking and all of the processing that it would take for them to change your food in order to decide to keep it the same. Like they are intentionally keeping you at those numbers. It's not just like a default, if that makes sense. Um, so that was a little side tangent. Maybe it's something that you haven't thought before, or maybe it is. But as long as something is working for us, it's normally best to not change it. So same thing with your workout split. And now that I'm on a tangent, I'll probably just wrap it up here. I hope that this made sense. And if you have any questions, I kind of always end my podcast with this, but definitely reach out to me at Instagram. I am fit.mama.d. And on TikTok, I am Delana Thill, but you can pretty much just find me on Instagram. I definitely will answer your DMs on TikTok, but I do kind of string most of my content through Instagram. So if you're finding me on the podcast and not through Instagram, please give me a follow. I'd love to connect with you. Obviously, I'm a newer podcaster, so it'd be super sweet to be like, hey, I heard your podcast. I would love to just chat. Um, but Or if you have questions, hop into my DMs, and I'd love to help you out and get you training in the way that you need to train to see the results that you want to see. And if you haven't already, please rate and subscribe the podcast. That would mean so much to me if you could just take a second, give it a rating, a review, and a subscribe. Um, that would really help this podcast grow and be able to help more people become everything that they want to be. But I'm going to leave it here for now, and I will talk to you guys next time.